Welcome to Into the Breach, a reps and warranties policy podcast by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer, partners and co-leaders of the Transactional Underwriting Council practice at Cyforth Shaw, interviewing leaders from the industry and exploring the latest developments, market trends, and news impacting RWI and the transactional risk insurance markets. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Into the Breach. I'm Brian O'Keefe. I'm here with my co-host Jenna Usenheimer. Hello, Jenna. Hi, Brian. What's going on? Well, well, you're actually here, so we have to tell this story. We had other banter, but we're going to push that <laughs> aside. In that we were getting ready to record. Well, you have to back up and say, like, you know, why well, this is so unusual for us. Well, because we're doing this at night. At night, and it's pitch black out because of fall but it, black. But it's not so it's like a twilight zone. It's not at night for everybody here, though, because we have somebody halfway around the world who's going to be our guest. So it is. We see I see sun in his in his window over there. So, but, it's but not helping me in New York. Clearly, Jen, Jen is also being affected by the fall back the clock and. Right? I have sad. Yes, she has seasonal <laughs> affect disorders. So she and it also affected her brain because we were. We were getting ready to, to tape this, and I put this to the cloud, and it asks when it, I guess, I never even knew this, but when it starts the recording, it asks if you want to leave the room, and we were starting the recording, and then I looked, and it was just a two-person podcast. The, the co-host had magically disappeared, and it because I left the herself out. <laughs> it's because I left the meeting by accident. She left the meeting. Uh, it it's a good weird. sign for the beginning the, of this podcast taping at 6.30 at night. Yes. The music started. Me and the guests were ready to go, and Jenna had disappeared, so... But, but aren't you happy I came back? Well, I am always happy you're back, and we're very happy to have on the show today our mm-hmm. guest. Uh, and our guest today is David Rogers. He's the co-founder and director of IO Insure, and he is coming to us from Australia. This is another international guest that we're having. Jenna. We have a trend here with having uh, folks from all over the world join us on the podcast, and we're super excited to have David here today. He's going to be talking with us about uh, some new innovations that they have in terms of uh, the insurance product that they're offering. And uh, just really excited to have you here, David. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it and appreciate the time and having me on your podcast in the first evening podcast from what I'm, I'm hearing. And uh, uh, thank you for that. So sorry oh. to keep you up late. Thank you. Yeah, it's 630. <laughs> thank you for joining us. We're, we're, we're all here. and We're glad you're here too, David. So I um, want to start off, David, by just talking a little bit about your background in transactional risk, how you got started in this industry, um, and uh, just how you got where you're at today. Definitely, definitely. Well, as you could probably hear, I'm, I definitely don't have an Australian accent, so I'm not know. from Australia. Um, I'm actually uh, originally from the U.S. and and have been out in in Asia Pacific now for uh, going on my 13th year. Um, wow. And originally um, worked in Chicago for uh, various um, parties, including Marsh, uh, Chubb, and and Ironshore. And so was really introduced to the, the transactional risk product back in the early 2000s when I was at Marsh, um, but didn't truly understand the intricacies of how it worked, uh, I think, until I was exposed to my first deal while at Ironshore back in, in 2008. So 
Um, yeah, but it, it, that was while I was running their Midwest operations out of Chicago. Um, the senior leaders there had a, a long history of writing this business back in the early days uh, of transactional at AIG. So yeah, I learned the product from some of the, the earliest creators, I would say, um, who were instru instrumental in this, this area over 20 years ago. Yes, we agree. Those are some big players there. Yeah, and so I mean, you want to talk a little bit about your, you know, your current taking that history and what you knew about the product and how you ended up in Australia, other than it's just a lovely place to live, and uh, <laughs> what you're kind of doing now in, in terms of uh, uh, that background uh, in, in your current uh, in your current position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, I moved moved to Australia back in in 2010, uh, actually to establish. Uh, Ironshore's first operation in Asia Pacific region. Um, transactional was uh, a clear opportunity here and, and particularly in Australia and then more broadly in, in Asia. Uh, so really started um, diving in into the, the product more deeply at that stage. And, and since have set up a, a few different M&A operations uh, across the region. Uh, before founding, uh, you know, the Pop Group, which is which is part of the IO Insure uh, holding company, and and you know, I've been spending you know the last twenty five plus years of my career uh, across the broader financial lines and specialty insurance space. So that's what I'm doing out here, and have been here ever since. And uh, you know, we're lucky enough to to have a global business now, which we can talk about more. A little bit later, but um, yeah, we're in the U.S., in the U.K., Europe, uh, and Singapore, Hong Kong, and and Sydney. Well, and and I'll say this now: this actually was going to be our opening banter, but Jenna and I actually first met in Australia. This is actually our uh, so we have a fondness for this because she was working overseas there at the time, and um, we had a meeting about potentially starting this reps and warranty group, and I was in the U.S. and she was up on the screen, and it was like. 2 a.m. there whenever you were talking to me, Jenna, the first time, right? No, it wasn't 2 a.m. It was like 6 a.m. And it was like 3 p.m. the day before for you in Boston. But also international taxing authorities. I was definitely not working abroad. I was not working yes. in Australia. That's not what I was doing at all. No. So you're in Sydney? Um, I'm actually, yes, in between Sydney, uh, Melbourne, and I actually also... Um, spend a big chunk of my time in Singapore as well. So, oh, we, I feel who like I'm were we just plane. talking to from Singapore? Oh, we were just talking to somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we spend a lot of time in Singapore. Yeah. 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 Right. It's like the closest flight, right? From Australia to one of them. Yes. Yeah. It's a Singapore. Many close yeah. Flights, but um, yeah, we can get there, there in many. six hours yeah. or so. So, well, not too bad. Pivoting, pivoting from Australia and Asia Pacific to the United States, maybe we'll just talk a little bit about. Uh, your insurers, uh, new uh, operations, you're landing in the U.S. and, um, you know, what, what you're doing here in the United States and uh, the sort of products you're launching here. Yeah, thanks. Um, it, we, we've launched IO Insure. Um, Killian McDermott and myself founded the business, uh, you know, now quite a few years ago and really um, followed the, the global establishment of our, our group, MGA, for called Fusion. And 
IO was formed uh, really to uh, create a, a global marketplace and a technology platform for uh, SME M&A insurance. Um, and that's really um, something we, we saw an opportunity uh, on the smaller side of the business where really there was a gap in, in insurance there and, and the smaller deals were unable to be insured um, for various reasons, whether it was cost, time, and or, you know, the sophistication of the parties involved. And so really we set out a, as a way to uh, build something that would allow um, all the ecosystem partners within that space to transact and, and buy the insurance product. And that's what kind of led us to the US, the UK, and, and obviously across Asia Pacific. And then just in terms of, um, you know, looking at that smaller market, I guess. So what's going to be different about the, uh, how you're able, how you're going to be able to serve that smaller market? What's going to sort of be your typical deal size? Maybe we just want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Um, you know, really we, we see this as probably the sweet spot will be sub 25 million, definitely to start uh, transaction value. Um, though we, you know, we will see it, uh, I think over time go up that chain, maybe, you know, sub 100 million. And, and that's kind of where we've positioned it initially. Um, you know, we, we've basically went back to the drawing board. Um, we all know obviously how the the end to end uh, traditional reps product works. Um, and, you know, what we wanted to do is design a workflow, uh, a product, and, um, uh, you know, a process that was efficient, um, cost effective for, you know, all parties involved, and then something that was in a digital format um, that allowed, you know, buyers, sellers, and their advisors to buy the insurance, um, you know, again, in a digital format. Can you, for our listeners who aren't familiar with the digital format, do you, can you give them a little bit of an overview of exactly, you know, what, how it differs from traditional underwriting and what the, what they can expect from the process? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, really what we've done is, um, you know, taken the, uh, you know, the traditional way we, we look at these deals. Um, we, we started with really creating a set of covered risks and, and what those covered risks are designed to do is obviously cover the key categories of the business financial uh, title and tax and, and other typical risks that arise in, you know, obviously a, a traditional sale of a business. And mm -hmm. so we we walked backwards really with those covered risks and said, okay, how can we as a as an underwriter um, first be able to to underwrite to those risks? And really what we did is designed a, I guess you could call it a questionnaire. Um, or a, a you know a due diligence um, disclosure form essentially on the seller side, and that's designed to uh, ask questions and allow the people on the sell side or the buy side, depending on what they're buying, uh, to disclose and or um, answer those questions around those key covered risk. And that's really how we've designed it. And um, you know we soft launched in the U.S. a few months back. Uh, we, we worked with uh, some really good law firms on that as well and, and good brokers um, and, and got some good feedback and, and actually bound quite a few policies on that front. And so we're, we're happy to say that that soft launch went really well and we, we did multiple policies. And, you know, this month we're actually launching globally the, the, the digital platform now and across all those countries. So we're, we're excited to actually 
now fully launch a business um, globally now. Who's your favorite law firm partner since you? <laughs> well, since you asked, it, it's yeah, very, very you don't special, have to answer. <laughs> very special partners called Brian and, and Jenna. So you guys, yeah, are, well, nice. right nice. we you would have dejected him from the meeting, Jenna, if you would have said anything else. You would just would have been into us talking the rest of the time. You would have given any other answers. So. Well, I, I think your use of technology uh, is very interesting, David. And are you, as part of this process, just so maybe our listeners understand it and uh, people might want to take advantage of it, are you also doing um, traditional underwriting calls on all the deals, some of the deals? How are you um, yeah. making the change or making the decision as to whether or not just use the questionnaire versus seeking the, yeah. the live information yeah. that you're sometimes doing from the regular calls? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, really what we've tried to do is, is offer both options. Um, so, you know, what, what our underwriters are doing at this stage and, you know, IO has done a, obviously their, the key partner is initially Fusion, which is our, our global MGA and the first insurer on the marketplace. And so, you know, we offer both options, the client and their, their advisors can decide which option and, and route they wanna go. And um, they can go down the traditional route, um, uh, which is um, very similar to obviously what they're used to doing, but we think streamlined uh, in a certain way as well. Um, or they can go down the, the digital route and, and fully go down the, the new Mio product, which is what we call our M&A insurance online. So we, we've offered both. And is your, this new launch of your digital platform worldwide, is this your Mio launch? That's right. Yeah. So the, the product that we've called globally is, is Mio and it's, it's not all that creative. It's me, it's m and insurance online. So oh. um, we, we didn't, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, we tried to keep it quite simple, but you know, we are also coming out with, I think that what we're really excited about is, is Rio, which is the real estate insurance online product. And, you know, that's obviously much larger opportunity initially in the international markets than in the U.S., okay. but we are seeing some uptick in in the U.S. as well on real estate transactions. So, and you know, is that, it the that's same, exciting. That's just the same product, but it's just straight, it's a real estate acquisition? It is. It's designed for, you know, commercial real estate transactions. And, you know, we, we see, you know, that as a massive opportunity, you know, especially in the international market initially, because, uh, the, the transaction structures are very similar, um, depending on which country you're operating in or buying and selling in and, and, you know, really designed for that format of, you know, trying to get an efficient process. And, you know, the global PE funds are very, very interested in that and, and really excited about what we're bringing out in that space as well. And does it work the same way as it, the regular the Neo product works here where it's, um, a preset set of reps and then the questionnaire asks questions against those reps. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. right. Why don't you maybe just talk a little bit? I'm interested in what has been the reaction, especially from the brokers and the insured in the U S on this sort of new uh, approach that really incorporates technology. You know, I think we hear from time to time complaints, you know, the calls are long. It takes, you know, it's sort of an arduous process. They're at the end of the deal. And now they have to go through seeming like they're starting at square one with this whole new group. I mean, has there been, positive feedback about the way that you've been able to incorporate the technology or have you found some brokers and insured even after going through the technology part sort of prefer the more traditional side what's sort of been the, the reaction and feedback you've gotten 
Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it's been um, overwhelmingly positive feedback um, from from all sides of the state, from all you know, from all sides of the stakeholders. I would say, you know, whether that's the lawyers, the accountants, um, and the brokers, because, you know, I think that really the key thing at what we're trying to solve here is whether a transaction was a five hundred million dollar transaction or whether it was a ten million dollar transaction. Things have always been done the same, and so you know, really, that's. You can't have someone trying to sell a small business that wants to obviously spend uh, an enormous amount of time, as we know, going through underwriting calls back and forth with the questions and the policy turns. So, you know, they've all, you know, whether it's the broker and or the advisors, they've all said, well, this is something where we've been looking for because one, they have the covered, they have the potential covered risks up front. Here's what we could potentially get on a transaction such as this. And then depending on how obviously the underwriting and the questions go, we will whether we'll either cover those risks or not cover those risks. So it gives some certainty up front to them in when they're going into the transaction, an understanding of what it's going to take and how quickly they can do it. They can do a policy within a couple of days. Um, and, you know, it gives them a, a much more streamlined and efficient process. So I think we've gotten overwhelming feedback that you know people are are excited and looking for something like this um but there's always of course you know plenty of people that say well you know we still want to do the traditional process and and that's available as well then the technology also has the ability if you're in the middle of a deal doing it through obviously the platform we have the ability to then manually because uh, the underwriters are involved, obviously, end to end, we have that ability to customize and tweak and add new warranties, exclusions, et cetera, um, while you're working through the deal. So it's not overly designed for that, but it, um, because we want to try to obviously drive efficiencies, and that's what we're trying to do here, but it can do that if, if necessary, and it can also then pop out in the middle of a, a transaction, let's say, and go the traditional route, if that's the way people want to go. And do you find that you get any pushback with the limited scope of reps that are being covered up front that parties want, like the broader set of reps that they've negotiated for? Or do you find that in these like smaller EV deals, everyone just like understands the deal up front and they're happy to get any cover at all? I, I think a little bit of both. You know, I think yeah. sometimes, you know, people are, are you know, wanting more coverage or, or wanting different coverage. And, you know, again, that that's the route where we say, OK, well, it's probably best to go the traditional more the traditional process here. Um, but I think as we continue to educate and as we move into, you know, the the, tradi- the regional brokers, let's say, the non-M&A specialists, I think that's really where this is going to be something that will provide scale and opportunity to really expand the market further, which is what we're really focused upon doing here. Yeah, because I think the problem, and this was especially acute last year, of course, when it was just a bonkers market, is Finding insurers to even want to underwrite these smaller deals is is difficult. Um, you know, they're just not getting the premium really to justify the amount of a time investment. So I think trying to use some of the technology uh, to still be able to write a you'll get a policy. It may not be the same policy you gotten if you went through the regular process, but you still get something. You know, is certainly something that could be really attractive to a to a segment of the M and A market out there that may not even be using reps and warranty insurance at all. Yeah, exactly. And that that's really what we're, you know, this is a new product. We understand it's not back to back with the sale and purchase agreement. It's designed to be separate. It's designed to stand alone and, and really drive that efficiency and really put put this product in the hands of, of 
clients and advisors who traditionally haven't used it and, and maybe have uh, steered away from it given their experience in the past with the end-to-end -end process. Okay. Well, and with that, um, unless you have anything else that you want to add, I think it's time to move into our once more onto the breach section of the podcast. So David, what is one of the biggest changes you think that we're going to see in the reps market in the next 12 months? Well, I think, you know, again, given what we're launching here, IO is a, is a marketplace. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> we're busy not only obviously talking to distributors and brokers and lawyers, but we're talking to insurers. So we are focused on bringing in new partners to the marketplace uh, to further expand and build out this market. So the way we've designed it again is the, un the underwriters and or the insurers get to design their own box. They get to design their own covered risks and their own product. And that way, you know, we believe given the size of this potential opportunity, we think there's going to be a massive uptick in the, the SME transaction space, given this innovation, given the efficiency and given the number of insurers that are looking to join the marketplace. So I think that's going to be one big, big change we'll see as we move forward. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping we'll, we're going to continue driving that change in the market. And then uh, what is a, our question is, what is a piece of career advice for someone who might be interested in working in reps? But Brian and I actually had someone call us up earlier today who needed career advice because they were interested in working in reps. <laughs> so um, we are very familiar with this subject today. But what would what is career advice that you would give someone? I'd say I'd say go for it. I mean, I think this is one of the most exciting places to be over the next, um, you know, decade plus. It's got a long way to go. It's a it's a, you know, a great pursuit for intellectual um, expansion and, and the opportunity from an insurance perspective, I think, is is unrivaled. When looking at other products that you can right. you know, obviously learn and, and go into an insurance, this one far out outweighs, you know, and, and the opportunity is is interesting, it's changing, it's dynamic, and you know, we think it's it's got a very long runway to go as we move forward. And see, Jenna, that person who called us today, we won't say his name, but he just made a cameo on the show. We told him about the podcast at the end. So if people want to make a cameo on the show, they have to just call us up and ask for career advice. And then <laughs> there you go, right? You might make you might make it on the show too. So uh, we did tell them to listen to the podcast as, did, as career be, advice. So uh, <laughs> we will see if he listens, if he maybe emails if he's us listening, yeah, right? And says, Oh, I was actually, I know that, that was, was me. Yeah. Right. So, all right, Dave. So I got the last question here, the true mystery fun question that you don't know. What's coming at you? But um, in the United States right now, uh, there was a very big thing about Powerball going on. And um, Jenna had her own theories about how our sci-fi team could maximize our chances of winning Powerball, though unfortunately they did not uh, succeed and that she wanted those of us who don't live in New York to buy the tickets because she thought with her buying the tickets in Times Square, there was a 0% chance she would win. But Dave, let's let's pretend that you were in the United States and you were at the convenience store yesterday afternoon, <clears throat> bought the ticket, and lo and behold, you won the $2 billion that was in Powerball. So what would you do with the money? Would you keep working? What would be your, what would be <laughs> so your I think Powerball I should... dream? 
I think I also, we also, it's 1.9, well, it went up to 2.4 billion before the drawing because it was delayed because of technical issues, but the cash equivalent is 952 million. So that helps put it in more perspective for you. Yeah, 952 million. It does, okay. Okay, yeah. So sub one billion, not a billion. Yeah, sub billion. one billion. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would right. definitely in that case keep working, and you know, I would right. I would keep investing in IO Insure to make sure that this marketplace potential exceeds every every wish that we have for it, and and make sure, of course, that all wow. the SMEs that want to buy insurance can buy insurance. That that's what I would do with the money. Dave, David, Jenna gave me the same answer. I said, you would keep working, right? If you won $900 million. No, the first thing I would do would be to quit so fast. I would be done with work. Then I would have to figure out what to do with the money. But I would definitely give my parents money. And then also, I don't know, you need to partner who you liked a lot. Would you give him any money? <laughs> well, I feel like you kind of have to give everybody, you know, like something. So they like stop harassing you for your whole life for money. Right. I also, the thing is you really can't tell anybody because then they treat you different and you have to put your ticket in like a safe. I mean, I have like a whole long list of things that you need to do if you win the lotto, but for sure I would quit very fast. She's planned this out. She plotted this. I thing. see that. I see that. Very impressive. Well, I hope when I'm yeah. over there next month, um, that's still, available and or somebody hasn't won it yet somebody won it in california one person one person los angeles won it but adria on our team told me i think she won eight dollars well that's exciting that's something eight dollars 950 million it's all relative right (laughs) it's all relative yeah all right well thank you so much david for joining our podcast today and thank you for talking with us about your your big launch here we're very excited for you and your wonderful team and just thank you for being on the show it's really been great having you on today thank you very much for the time appreciate it you guys good seeing you <laughs> thank it's you so great. much so jenna we we made it you didn't you didn't depart in the middle of the show so that <laughs> was good even if that's how you start lucky for everyone lucky I for know, our listeners I know. yeah so, and our guests didn't depart either but well thank you everybody for joining this show we're happy you were able Uh, to be a part of it. And until next time. Thanks again, guys. Thank you for listening to Into the Breach. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, please visit rwipodcast.com. The views and opinions expressed by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Cyfarth Shaw, LLP, its partners, or its employees. The podcast does not provide legal or other professional services. This podcast is made available by the lawyer publishers for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the lawyer publishers. The podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. As defined in the State Bar of New York's Code of Professional Responsibility, this podcast is considered a form of attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee similar outcomes.